0: Alf Nusifora, who is an investigator of luxury, joins me here in our studio. We talk about what freedom means to him, we talk about brands that need to sharpen up their etiquette, luxury experiences, and the importance and infatuation of homes. you're the chairman and founder of the Luxury Marketing Council chapter here in Northern California. And that's, if I've got it right, San Francisco, Carmel, Monterey, uh, Silicon Valley, Napa, and Sonoma. Good. And you get, did I get them all? Mm-hmm. And, and you're also a local, vibrant, and visible community member. I often see you moderating others. Um, do you ever take on too much with, you know, helping out the rest of the community and, and I
1: see you at California home design events, and well I don't, I don't go out a lot. I mean, the, the reality is I stay at home. I, I, mean, I, I don't understand people can go out to two events a night. I, I would hate to be a, a magazine publisher. I, I can't think of anything more more unsettling than to, to be on on call like a politician you know five nights a week.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I work very hard I, I work seven days a week, but I work on stuff that I want to work on. Uh-huh. So that makes it a lot better. I'm also at an age where most of my peers and associates are out playing golf uh-huh. or you know or occupying the buffet line at the country club. I can't think of anything more more dispiriting than that. Um some affirm believer that you have to continue working until they put you in the box. Uh-huh. And I and I think you've got an elongated you know elongated uh, life, you know lifespan out of that. I think work I think so, does too. keep you keep you alive.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you do a great job. I, I watch you. I've been on one of your panels
1: or, or a couple of them. I enjoy the people I deal with. I enjoy the I enjoy, I enjoy the categories that I deal with. I mean, the, the stuff where we concentrate in the in the council is on very specific sectors. We're very heavy in real estate, the home, interior design, stuff that goes inside the home, food and wine, uh, travel and hospitality, travel more so than anything else. Those are categories where Bay Area people spend their money. We have no relationships at all with with retail. Mm -hmm. For me to waste my time pursuing a boutique manager in Union Square who's gonna be gone in six months anyway or has no spending authority whatsoever when it Mm -hmm. comes to marketing, because all the marketing decisions are made in New York or in Paris, Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So we tend to focus in on those categories where the affluent people spend their money. And the big one, of course, is real estate. That's, that's, that's the major.
0: Yeah, that was one of, going to be one of my questions. Yeah. Is, who do you think gets the most out of your programming? We went to the boot camp. Um, you know, we're kind of a satellite membership. Is that accurate? No, well, you're, no? You're,
1: a you're not a satellite. You're a yeah. full member. But, but we, we have, are, over a period of 13 years, we've narrowed, we've narrowed down now into those categories that that make sense for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in terms of dues and making money, but just in terms of activity. And real estate is number one in this marketplace amongst the affluent. It mm-hmm. has to be. Mm-hmm. That, 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 those are where the bucks go. And how long have you been doing the boot camp? We've been to two. We've been doing that on and off for about, oh God, probably 10 years. But I mean, it's only really been it's only really been the last four or five years where we've tried to professionalize it as much as we can. And, and, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, you know, super duper, we're only at a five. So we've got a lot of room to maneuver with that, with that boot camp, And there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of training stuff on real estate in the marketplace. There are, you know, I can walk out the door now and trip over a real estate consultant right outside your front door, they're everywhere. Mm. So we try to put on programs that think a little bit ahead of where the market will be or bring in crazy people who will bring a fresh perspective to to, to the selling of real estate? Allah, the, the the blind gentleman.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the, the wine. Gen- what did you the say? Blind. The, the, oh the blind. Oh yeah the, yeah, yeah, the blind yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Robbie and I were just talking before we started taping. There was the the gentleman who was talking um, about mostly
1: connecting with David Friedman. Yeah, yeah, and he's absolutely right. I mean, he started WealthX, and then something happened. Right. Could you know, for listeners who didn't mm. attend that. Um,
0: it was it was it was great. I mean, it's it's a tough job to connect with uh, the people you want to finally market right. to. Right? Uh, could you give us a I don't know,
1: put a, a ribbon around what a he summary taught? of what he said? Yeah, yeah. His thesis is very simply this: there are between sixty to seventy thousand, give or take, households in the United States that can be termed ultra high net worth, and with pick an arbitrary number, $35, 40 million dollars and above puts mm-hmm. you in that category. And the research companies, the database companies, know who they are and where they are. They know that, you know, Joe Smith on Main Street in Dallas is you was know, one of those. The difficulty is is in capturing them, in communicating with them, and and capturing their their, you know, their, their share of a share of mind out of them, mm-hmm. because they're very protected. Um, they're very they're neurotic. The ultra wealthy are very very neurotic. They they fear that people are out to take advantage of them. So, so they operate in their own cocoons. So, so David's premise is, you know, most marketers who are talking to the ultra high net worth individuals will put on a very expensive polo event, you know, yeah. where ninety-two percent of the people at the event are there to, you know, to replace the whatever you call the grass. The, oh, it's the stomp divots. on the grass, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but the real buyers are a, a few and far between. His point is, there's nothing wrong with talking to ultra high net worth, but you have got to make sure that you've got the right connective tissue. Mm-hmm. If, if Robbie is wealthy, and you're wealthy, and you two guys know each other well, if I can convince Robbie that I'm worth doing business with, then Robbie will take me hand-in-hand hand to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole premise. Mm-hmm. And David's point was most people, most companies throw money up like Velcro to see if it sticks. Yes. And, and hence, hope marketing. And yes. Hope marketing doesn't give you ROI. Yeah. That was a really great set. And Even with our events. own events, we, we do about 40 events a year, uh, Jeff, and we, uh, our attitude the last three to five years has been cut the numbers down, get rid of all the dross, because there are a million people who want to come in, drink your wine, and eat your food, but they are of absolutely no value to oh. the network, mm-hmm. and there's no way that they can deliver on ROI. Oh. Um, so you, you've got to become much more selective, mm-hmm. and then secondly, you've really got to create a channel where somebody will open the door for you. you you've, got to, you've got to glom onto that individual's network and understand who his closest friends and associates are and get in that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what are your suggestions for maybe the, the realtor or the interior designer or the winemaker who kind of found, find it uncomfortable to put themselves so forward? Like, I'm asking you to do my bidding and I feel bad about that. Come with me hand in hand to, to introduce me to other people. How do you give? How do you suggest to people to have more confidence and that that's an okay approach or yeah, a comfortable approach? Have more confidence.
1: Mm-hmm. That, that's the answer. I mean, you're not going to ask everybody to do this, mm-hmm. but but there are certain people with whom you've got a trusted relationship. If you've done a great job on a, on a remodel in, in Seacliff mm-hmm. and the client absolutely loves it and has had an orgasm about it, right? Mm-hmm. What's to prevent you from saying to that person, oh, by the way, I happen to know that you know Robbie. Would you mind... Introduce- a quiet introduction to Robbie, of course they go to say yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Now if you've pissed them off because you've done a bad job, you get yeah, the drift. Yeah, yeah. You 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 pick you, right. you pick the people who you ask you make the request of. Yeah. Yeah. Of whom you make the request. No, it's but but you've also got to be confident. I always remember real estate real estate agents taught they not real estate, they, they teach insurance they used to teach insurance agents in the old days that you never left a client meeting unless you asked for five leads.
0: Hmm.
1: And I always remember my insurance gentleman in Atlanta. I mean, I knew him for 50 years. He would drive me insane. We'd, yeah. have, we'd have breakfast and we'd, you know, and he'd say, oh, he'd say All right, and he'd take out the pet, Where are my five leads? I'd say, Kurt, leave, on, me, leave me yeah. alone. But he wouldn't let me leave until I gave him five names. Uh-huh. I'm not suggesting you do that, but it's a very interesting principle or discipline. Yeah, with well, uh, the pre approach part of the sales mm-hmm.
0: cycle, right? Approach and then come back to pre approach again. Um. You interview people all the time about luxury, right? What is uh, what is luxury to you, and are you a luxurious person? Um,
1: well, I'll, I'll answer that. I'll answer that later, Jeff. I think there's I think there's an interesting shift really going on um, with the consumption of luxury, and I've been saying this more and more. And lately, and I think I'm on the right track, I, I'm starting to pick up signs and signals and heat waves from various sources. Um, the old notion of conspicuous consumption, i.e., you and I are gonna go out and buy a Bentley and we're gonna have a $400,000 $400, watch on our arms and, we, and we're gonna summer and start or whatever it is. I think those days are gone. There are a number of people who will do that. I've got friends who live that way, but I think, I think they're very much in the decline uh, particularly amongst the boomer class, because as the boomers are getting older and as mortali- mortality issues start to occupy their mind, i.e. am I going to live much longer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think the acquisition of, of, of baubles, bangles, and beads becomes uh, highly irrelevant in those years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been a firm believer that what happens on the West Coast migrates east. It may take a decade to do that, it may mm-hmm. take a generation to do it, but it always does. The societal values that Donald Trump, notwithstanding, I mean, Trump is a vestige of you know of, of paleo you know paleolithic times. I mean, he'll he'll die and and somebody else will replace him, but the trends start here and they'll migrate migrate east. And and one of the trends I've noticed here from day one when I arrived in the Bay Area to live in 05 was just the notion of of authenticity and um, just. Lack of packaging. Um, I had Brioni suits and Armani. I, I threw them all away. I gave them to the Goodwill. I haven't worn a suit in ten years. Oh, six, yeah. Um, most of my meetings are like you, are jeans. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Napa all the time. If I was to turn up to Napa in a, in a jacket, I mean, they would they, they wouldn't let me across the uh, right. the Oakville Road. So there's a change. There's a change in the consumption of 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 wealth. And it's no longer acquiring things. It's, it, it really is spending money on those experiences in life that help elevate the quality of your life, that bring you closer together with family or with the people with whom you care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's giving your money away to causes that are important to you um, it, it's a move. I use the analogy. It's less important to go into Shreve and buy an expensive bauble. I'll spend the same amount of money going to Burning Man for a week, mm-hmm. or going to a TED conference down in Long Beach for three days. Right? Mm-hmm. Or I'll spend. I, I'll think nothing of dropping fifty grand on a multi-generational vacation, where the whole family gets together and we fly first class and we do it the right way. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the first move, and. Mm-hmm. That has a bearing upon marketing here because all those traditional French luxury brands, I think, uh, are, are in, to a certain extent, in decline. Mm-hmm. Well, there's
0: a saying, you know, your life is the sum total of the people you meet, the experiences you have, and True. so forth. Why do you think the switch, like, what turned off material? I mean, it's, it's kind of Because crazy. there are only
1: so many cars you can have. There are only so many tangible assets that you can have. After a while, it lo- a lot of it has to do with with, with the with, with the mortality of the boomer. the, the boomer generation started in '46, so '46 through '64 was boomer. Mm. That generation is now in its sixties, so you know acquisitions become less important. I mean, I, I've got a, I've got a, you know, I've got a Galaxy Six. I don't need a Galaxy Ten. This does everything that I need to do. Now, if I was an under-40 millennial and I've got to have the latest gadget, perhaps. But I, I just think acquisition, the acquisition of tangible wealth is, is very much in decline. We
0: were on that panel you hosted. Greg Lynn was right. there. Someone from If Only. You're right. Um, if Only was... They they're, they're all experiences. Is that and, one of the places you got and, and it varies,
1: by the way, regionally. Now, I, you know, I can't say the same thing in L.A. or Manhattan. Because in L.A. and Manhattan... Badge, expensive badging is still a way that, by which one defines one's status right. in, 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 prof, in a professional mode and one's value in life. But, but again, I think that's a, that's a declining, I think that's a declining trend. On the way out. I think it's on the way out. Yeah. Even in those cities.
0: Hmm, I hadn't thought about it. So yeah. It's kind of tied to social our social way of being, you know, the, uh, in my mind I'm thinking that, Fashion comes from Europe to the East Coast to the West Coast or, you know, and then back to the Midwest. But this is more just social, how people live.
1: I just think those things are becoming unimportant. And I'm not saying that that's, that's total and complete. Yeah. But, but I think that's a definable trend. The other thing I would tie to, tie, tie to that, and, and more and more now we ask people, what does, what does luxury mean? Right? What what is luck in its purest form, what does it mean? And the the word we get back, or the the concept that we get back in in various terms and nomenclature is is freedom. People, People want freedom in their lives. And I think this is one to watch, because it all melds together. The biggest pressure right now is the first thing we do in the morning is turn, I mean, I know for me, the first thing at 5.30 is the tablet goes on, right? I'm on this thing all day long. This controls my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last thing of the evening after I've cleared the desktop computer is I'll clear the laptop or I'll check social media on the laptop. So, so much of our life now is constrained. And and by the way, the, the time you spend on that is time that you're taking away, not so much from this business, but from your kids and from your wife. Oh, don't say that aloud. It's true. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. If you, if you, if you add the cumulative time that you spend in, in this device, there is, there is a, a lessening. It's like, it's like a, you know, a balloon. You squeeze it there, it pops out there. But I think more than that, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a psychological issue. I, I think we're becoming imprisoned by technology, and I think there's a rebellion in the, in the making. I really do. Hmm. And and that rebellion says, you know, pff, screw it, um, I'm not going to be bound by that stuff anymore.
0: You're talking more about social media apps, and no, that's what's stealing from no, wives to, and kids. I'm and... talking about
1: email. I'm talking about everything. Yeah, mean, but that's, that's I'm awesome. talking about viewing habits. Nobody watches mm-hmm. large screen TV; they watch it on 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 these things. These things are these things are, a, Where's a, the re- are I- an intrusion. These these are life intrusion in your hip pocket.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the, have you heard of adult camp? No. They take over kids' camps, like summer camps. Right. It might be in the fall when they aren't subscribed because they have extra real estate, right? And they get you know, groups of 30 to 50-year-olds, and they go canoeing, and they check in their phone just like the kids do in the camps when they sure. have to do that. Um, I just saw something, a, a trend of that happening. We're on the East Coast where they, where they have all of those camps. Do you think that might be a buster of, of habits?
1: I, I, I don't know. I was talking to a very good friend of mine who lives in Montevideo in Uruguay this morning mm-hmm. on Skype, and, and I was giving him grief because he's still, well, he doesn't have a flip phone, but it's pretty close to that. Right? A brick. And I said, how, how can you live without, he said, you don't understand something, I don't do emails. Yeah. He said, I use, he said, I use this, it was an old no, no, Nokia, Nokia. Mm, yeah. He said, I use this just to make phone calls. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. Because that's the absolute opposite to the way I lead my life.
0: There is a trend, I feel like, uh, getting on the phone. Like, last two or three years, I'd try my best to just call more, text Except there's nobody to answer the phone. Nobody to answer the phone. That's the problem. A little bit, I know. Just try to pester people. I mean, I've definitely called people and then they... They respond. They know, but they're like, why are you calling? Hmm. Just text me. Leave (laughs) a wishbone
1: message. I had, a, I had a guy in New York who was a, a, the, the top producing attorney at a large law firm in Manhattan, and he lived on the road. Monday he was in Miami, Tuesday he was in Dubai, one of these guys who loves to travel. And he said he calls his top five clients every day, every day, mm-hmm. wherever he is in the world. And I said, Marty, you know, you're know, you calling at 3 a.m. in Dubai, it's you know, 6 a.m. He said, that's not the point, he said, I want to leave a voicemail message to let them know that they are the most important thing in my life, and it doesn't matter where I am, they're always on my mind. Wow. I think that's absolutely, actually aberrant behavior, but it's an interesting notion. <laughs> but, but back to the point, what, what's this notion of, of freedom? I call it getting, it's a contemporary version of going off the grid. Uh-huh. Right?
0: I see no trend like that, I have to be honest.
1: Don't you escape to, to Sonoma? Don't you have a house in Sonoma or something? Yeah. That's getting off the grid.
0: Yeah. No, but I see no trend of like totally getting away from your family. Well, I don't
1: mean Ted Kaczynski. We're going yeah. to go into a cave. Yeah. But I'm talking about the notion of, of, of being unrestrained. Unbound. Yeah. Of bringing freedom back into your life.
0: I think I'm doing that. It takes a lot to, like, like you just suggested, we'll get up to Hillsburg and I'll plug it in and I'll leave it in right. the kitchen. But if I'm here in the city and I'm kinda of running around I just tend
1: to keep but, it on me. But, but it takes like a couple you, of factors. But to the get fact it away. that you've got the car to drive to Hillsburg is going off the grid. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hearing more and more of that. People who've got money now are putting their money into second homes. And they're not opulent homes. Mm. They want an escape. Oh yeah. I hear that all the time. I, I want deal. an escape. And when I go to yeah, Hillsburg yeah. or when I go to, you know, whatever <clears throat> I feel as though I'm reborn. And all these these
0: luxury items that—that I agree. I I see it as experience. I mean, I don't really care. I want to have a really nice pattern, but I don't really care about the name brand on my shirt. Just don't. I'd much rather have these experiences. I'm going to go to a concert tomorrow night at August Hall. You know, and see uh, Weezer, but they're not called Weezer anymore.
1: Yeah. The more interesting issue is what about what about under forty millennials? I, I'd be anxious to see how they behave when it comes to, to wealth. I don't I don't but, know yet. But it's what, too early. But of the wealthy, do you think that real estate seems to be because real estate in a way is
0: experience? Yes, it is. You know, like it, you can invite people over. Yes, a it is. Five bedroom house. You can have a bigger uh, party that night. No,
1: but it's not. I don't think it's. It may be in your cohort, but in the cohorts I deal with. The value of the home is to create a, a, a more glorious cocoon. Uh, That's yeah. what it's about. And by the way, it's not a matter of price. I mean, they'll put, what, $50,000 into a La Cornu range. Yeah, yeah. They'll do a kitchen remodel for a million dollars and not, not blink... Mm-hmm. But it's not because they want the neighbors to come over and see the large canoe. It's for their own personal cocoonish satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It's for the satisfaction of them, their family, and their very close friends. Yeah, that's right. I'm, Which is a very European concept. Yeah, I'm not, right, I, I'm I not seeing.
0: Um, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the more know. that's a one luxury item where I love fixing up our right. houses. Uh, for me, when I come home, it's actually, actually it's my trade talk but I could not come home to a nice place. So it would drive me crazy. But um, I love having my close friends around. For dinner parties for cookouts well the operative you word know. is close yeah yeah mm. I, I, I said friends earlier but I do mean you know close um, but that's luxury to me to be able to have friends over and,
1: to you be know, a, and it's cook it's and buy to me it's opposite say Aditi Woolsey who's doing you know 15 soirees a week for members of you know San Francisco society right think, think of the home as an expensive cocoon yeah and, now let and, you, and, you, and you want it's just enough for It's big enough
0: for my friends to come cocoon out with me. If they want <laughs> if, they, if they so choose. If you want to allow them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do. Do you like to entertain? No. Sounds like not. No.
1: Your cocoon is Nobody cocoon. gets into our house. Our house is our home. Nobody comes into our house. Ha. Huh. Ever. Ha. Huh. Won't permit it.
0: How long has
1: that trend been going? Forever. Ha. Huh. That surprises
0: you? Yeah.
1: Why? Uh. I'm out touching people all day long. Uh-huh. Why do I want to touch more people in the, in, the, in, the, in the confines of my home? That's all I do all day is talk to people. Yeah. I don't want to see you all when I, I go home. Would would you know. I
0: guess uh, you would imagine that if you're such a person that, no. that, that can operate in, no. an, in an activated no. community role way, no. that you're also a people no. person in the rest of your no. life. Home is private i 'm going to run a test on that and see if the, how many more people are exactly like that because it, it's not something we 're in the minority, but there are some of us mm-hmm. and so I, I have a top researcher on our team uh-huh. and we found that uh, if you were not in your current profession, that you would be um, a few things. Oh, yeah, I remember that a fighter pilot, mm-hmm. a dog breeder, mm-hmm. movie producer, mm-hmm. animal, shelter manager, national talk radio. Host uh, and a hardware store owner. Let's go by. Let's go with them one by one. I'm
1: most infatuated with hardware store um, owner. What was the first one on the list? Um, fighter pilot. I, I used to be a pilot. I had a I had a private pilot's license, but I got I had a heart attack in my 30s. Yeah. So the FAA will will just not let you fly. So oh. I had my, my paper torn up. Um, but I've always wanted to get behind a really fast plane. Yeah. Uh, that that to me, I mean be able to get right back seat but the blue angels would be unbelievable did you do that no yet but yet not it'll happen one of these days who do we know this is gonna i'll I'll find somebody what's your next one
0: uh dog breeder i love
1: dogs don't you love dogs
0: i like dogs a lot i don't love dogs you don't I like dogs
1: a lot. I we don't have kids. Yeah, you know, dog, dogs to me are much much more preferable than. Yeah. No, I, that's all that is. That's yeah, dog love. But
0: you've never had a kid start to carry their own backpack through an airport and, no. in Berlin, you know? No. It like, starts to get really cool. No, and you are no. like, "Go help your sister." But I can get a dog to do that too. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um,
1: all right. Um, what were the others? Movie
0: I, movie producer.
1: You know, I I always I, when I came out of business school uh, in. In Boston, I, had, I had thought about literally getting on a plane and, and heading out to the West Coast and getting a job in, uh, in a William Morris mailroom. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, outside of all the, all the foibles of, of the trade, of, of all the nastiness and bitterness and, you know, and misogyny and the bad things that happen, it is a legitimate ad, outlet for creativity. Uh, particularly for sure. If you're not a creative person, as I'm not, it's the next best thing for, for the uncreative to sort of dabble in creativity and I think I think it would have been an interesting le- the only the only concern I would have had is I think I would have turned into a very nasty human being mm. as most of those seem to be the ones I've rubbed shoulders with who come out of that out of that because they have to be sharp just bad people. they just it's a bad business to, because they have to fight so hard or... I don't know because it's all well, it, it, it brings I suspect it brings out the, the worst elements of the human nature greed narcissism ego all those things you know bright lights yeah uh but, but a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, you produce something that's beautiful and lives longer, just like this podcast. It lives in perpetuity.
1: Quick story um, Bruckheimer. Uh, Bruckheimer had a, a, a famous Hollywood producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, had a, had a partner, a producer partner, Don Simpson. Um, Simpson came to fame with Top Gun, with all the Tom Cruise crap, Days of Thunder, <laughs> right? All that stuff. And I was, out at, I was out at a place called Canyon Ranch in the 80s in Tucson when they had, they were still a small brand and nobody knew who they were. And it was an old dude ranch. And we were out hiking through the Chaparral or all that stuff. But we were out and there were like three of us hiking. Mm-hmm. And one of us was Don Simpson. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he, I said, why are you here? You know, you were a Hollywood guy. He said, oh, I'm in a bad state right now. He said, uh, I'm not happy. He said, I'm making a million dollars a day, but I just don't feel complete. (laughs) And he was serious. I mean, he he was was in the middle of drug problems, and Uh I think his history was one of drugs and hookers and all that sort of stuff, like very Charlie Sheen. Uh But but that's the impression I have of the Hollywood...
0: Uh The guys on the top are the most deviants. Yeah. He's making a million a day, but he was unhappy. He just can't seem to pull together a happy was, day. But part? I want to ask you about yeah. creativity. Yeah. Because I, um, a lot of people will argue the other way, that everybody is creative. In fact, every child is born creative. Uh, but we sort of get, our society weans that away from us. If you don't practice it, you don't get better at it, or you can't access it. Similarly, I've recently learned that if you think you have a bad of uh, voice or vocal cords, or you can't sing that's also untrue it's also a muscle you may not be the star but in fact everybody can sing providing their ears work
1: but 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 the fallacy with that jeff is that then i can go out and play quarterback for the 49ers even if i was 22 Uh, years of age it doesn't matter how good i am if i don't have those physical skills i'm not going to be able to throw the ball I think there are some but okay pe-
0: no it's more simple than that. it's just creativity you said you you said seconds ago you you don't have creativity adopt that you, you tons of creativity i, so I think
1: I think some people have innate creativity I don't care how they got it whether they got it in the womb or whether they got it from societal influence. I think there are some people have it, and it's innate, and it comes out in how they think, how they express themselves mm, um, um, And I think the rest of us—I call the rest of us Mm yeomen. The rest of us have to work at it, Mm -hmm. because it's—it's either not there or it's being suppressed in some form. So we have to labor at it. And it would be nice to have that innate skill Mm -hmm. that that just blossoms. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I mean, I know that you have a
0: skill set, and like for you, the quarterback, right? But the only difference between. They say Tom Brady and the other guys who can play just as well is his head screwed on so, uh, so well and so finely and so fine-tuned that he delivers. And that's an intensity that few, few, few have. Uh, but those other people would be fine quarterbacks, and then the rest of them, okay, they can't play. But the creativity part, uh, I think it gets wrenched out of people. I can't
1: bit. walk into a room and tell intuitively what's missing in this room. You can yeah but that's uh but i would part of that is training but it's not total training yeah yeah Yeah, fair point um if i could instead of you guys would be out of business
0: i mean that's you know i often sometimes look at a project and i just talk to people and i i kind of sometimes question don't they see this too no this is we don't ridiculous we don't we don't that's why there's so much bad taste um, oh, any okay. So let's let's keep going here. Um, animal shelter. Oh, that's what, dogs. W- yeah, but dog breeder. What dogs would you breed? Terriers. 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 That's what you have. I used to. Yeah. Okay. Um, animal shelter. Okay, Brandon. Natural- and
1: huskies. Huskies talk. Do you have a dog hus- now? No. Huskies are just inveterate talkers. They talk all day long. They yeah. argue with you.
0: Oh really? Oh, they're incredible. Anyway, sorry. We, we yeah that's cute dogs, dogs are great they are great
1: I don't, I don't I'm
0: not fond of not fond of well you've got kids that's why yeah um, national talk radio host I did,
1: I, did four, I did four years of on air uh, three hours a night eight to eleven on a huge power station out of Atlanta uh, one of the one of the, um, one of the old legacy uh, 50,000 watt stations so I had an audience from Nova Scotia down to Puerto Rico cool and, um, but that's a tough business. It, it taught me two things. It taught me that there really are a lot of stupid people out there. I mean, seriously stupid, ignorant people. Not malicious, but stupid. And then second thing, you, you had to listen. You really had to listen because imagine three hours, you have to listen to every word because you have to respond and you have to see through it. So it was a very good learning learning device. Oh, yeah, that was, a- and I just never made the commitment to full-time. I mean, I could have gone full-time, but that, that's a whole new business. You've got to get syndicated, and you've got to bring in people mm-hmm. to assist you. And then it was also at a crucial stage. That was in the 90s, where Newt Gingrich had just come in. So talk radio was going totally conservative. Mm-hmm. Limbaugh was on the, on the ascent. Mm-hmm. And there really wasn't any room in the, uh, in the band, uh, in the spectrum, uh, for, uh, for liberal talk. It still isn't even to this day. Mm-hmm. So Why do you think that is? don't know why do why do conservative
0: voters and personas prefer radio well but
1: for one thing they got in first and they owned the medium uh-huh. i mean cumulus i Heart radio all these big chains came in and put conservative talk on the map and actually probably put george bush in and 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 had a, a serious long-term impact uh-huh. upon politics in this country and and the liberal the, the Democratic Party, for one thing, was too stupid to understand the value of talk radio way back when it when it accounted for something. The yeah. rise the rise of Fox. I remember when Sean Hannity was on a, was on an opposing station to me on uh, in Atlanta huh. before he went to Fox.
0: Huh.
1: What were your discussions about? I brought From in a lot of uh, it was it was a. Um, it, it was a much more NPR approach in that I brought in people who knew what they were talking about. But I was very agnostic in the sense that I would bring in conservative, liberal, everybody. What I tried to do was to get to the bottom of things. And we were very eclectic mm-hmm. in the grounds that we covered. We covered everything from religion, politics, sports, sex. We did a lot of stuff on sex. Um, and we had, we had big numbers.
0: Cool. Yeah. So. Uh, is there one of the NPR hosts that you enjoy
1: listening to now? No, not really. NPR's gone very wishy. NPR's gone very um, sort of celebrity journalism now. They've got all these young girls who smile at each other and call each other by their first names. It's lost a little bit of its edge. It's a shame because it was the only reputable source of opinion out there. I mean, where else are you going to get broadcast opinion?
0: What do you read for politics and news right now? I have a trifecta approach. I read a liberal, conservative, and a middle ground.
1: I subscribe to Vanity Fair's The Hive. I I read their blog every day. It gives me probably the best insight from a gossipy viewpoint of what's happening in D.C. I read the New York Times. Um, I read select articles from whatever's out there. The Atlantic. Um, I I pick up most of my reading now off uh, off online sources: Foreign Affairs, um, Politico, The Hill.
0: it sounds like not the mainstream.
1: CNN. I read CNN every day. I watch a little bit of M- M- MSNBC. I refuse out of. I have never once turned on Fox News. Really? I refuse out of principle. I I, think they're, I just think they're a cancer. I totally agree. But I read them
0: almost every day to You're get you the headlines. you I am. Well, I do it so I can see what I think is the message from the wrong side.
1: I come from Atlanta, Georgia. I have relatives in Atlanta still. I know what the wrong side is like. I spent 37 years there. Uh-huh. I don't need to be reminded of it.
0: Did you move from Atlanta right it's here to be here? Yeah. Yeah. What was the impetus to move here?
1: Retirement and a better quality of life. Ever yeah. lived in Atlanta? No. Well, never. Driven
0: through. Yeah. Yeah. Think
1: think Houston with a side dollop of Dallas and that's Atlanta. <laughs> Um,
0: what the, what's with the hardware store owner? You'd like to be a.
1: I just, I, I, I just like retail. I like digging through things. I like going into old. What do you call those old um, magic stores where you buy, you know, those. Oh, I don't you know. know,
0: trinket stores. I don't know plastic dog doo doo and. Oh know, yeah, and Spencer Gifts. When I lived in Grubb, there was a place called Spencer yeah. Gifts. It was a chain. That's where you get the hat that has the the beer. Holsters on both sides and big straws, you know, all you that stuff.
1: It. You're too young to. You, you, you I'm for you, you. You missed out in the days of the five and the five and dime stores. Yeah, Woolworths, yeah. where you would go in, and there were racks and racks, and you would it dig in just there. Plastic oh, garbage, it's fantastic. It's <laughs> but
0: I like going to the hardware stores. That's what's most interesting to me, even in foreign countries. And I like seeing that product because it's so exotic. It's a lame doorknob, right? Like something that's a hardware yeah. a jewelry piece yep. I would see here, but you're totally absolutely different. Right. Love that. And even the tools. Like, what's the chisel look like? What's the handle? It's not American-made. It's just different. Same tool, same approach. When my
1: wife and I travel overseas, we go into hardware stores and we go into supermarkets. I swear to she God. She goes to the supermarkets. She loves it just as much as I do. Oh, man. And we, and we prowl the stores. We prowl every aisle. Because I want to <laughs> see, <I wanna laughs> see what they eat. What, 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 what do they got here? You know, I don't want to see Procter & Gamble and Folgers. I want to see okay. theirs. It's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of fun.
0: Where do you like to travel then? That's also in your bio you're you're a huge traveler or
1: leisure traveler um i'd like to i've, I've been in, i've been to hong kong a couple of times i've been to i've been to the uh, pacific rim but i've never been to mainstream china i'd like to do that before i die i think uh, our favorite destination is is probably italy it's not probably is italy period mm-hmm. um Debbie, my wife, loves Rome. I mean, she would live there tomorrow. I, I think I'd go south, probably down around Naples, Amalfi, that area down there. Mm-hmm. But Italy is... Do it you go there it. every summer? No, no,
0: no. Just a couple of times. I, I kind of took you for, when I read this, I was thinking, well, you no know, else Alps, like, trekking through Siem Reap and northern Cambodia. And
1: I've, I've been to those areas. I've been to Cambodia. I've been to Chiang Mai. I've, I've, I've done a lot of that in, in younger years. I mean, I've traveled... Most of the world. Um, but I mean, at my age. <laughs> You're just like going to a movie I want good, good food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, um, yeah, I wonder what it'd be like to go, because I also took those trips, the bus trips up to Chiang Rai and Chiang Mai and a little town called Pai. Um, you know, I wonder, but you would always see the older uh, gentleman, the older couple uh, looking hippie. You know, they have the, the tie dye shirts on maybe a bandana somewhere. And you're like, ah, oh, when I'm older, I want to do that too.
1: But you're right, it's not that compelling once you've I, done it. We, we started doing those trips in the 60s when the Vietnam War was still on. So Jeez. I, I remember being in Kuala, Kuala Lumpur and we were staying at a ratty old hotel where the servicemen were on R&R. So we had a great time there just drinking and carousing. And then we got on a train in, in KL and went up, to, went up to... I went to Chiang Mai up on the border. Mm-hmm. And you were sort of traveling through... And you stop at every station, and those days, the the, the side of the train, you, you would winch the side of the train up, and the vendors would come to you, mm. and you would mm. buy on the train. Just great times. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Have you been through India? Yeah, uh, no, I've been to Delhi, but it was oh. it was business. It wasn't it wasn't for real.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. The hardware store covered it. check.
1: But the, the oh, best, I know the, what the this best place to travel is where your wife is from. Uh-huh. The, the, mo- the most, the most, the most experience was South Africa. Ah, where but, and why? Uh, well, we—I tra- traveled all around for business, but we spent a lot of time in Botswana. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time in. Um, um, Mozambique. No Rhodesia. Oh, that's, that's Zimbabwe. Yeah. Zimbabwe. Yeah. We went to Zimbabwe a couple of times. Uh, that, I mean, that is. That's just an incredible continent and, and the countries and incredible people and incredible beauty and animals, and uh, that's <sighs> what it's all about. You've been to Safari? You're yeah. That- well, we, did, we didn't do the traditional Alexander and Kent thing with the, you know, the, yeah. but we were on a private preserve, literally a private preserve for about a week. But there yeah. were just, there were two, two trucks that was at, and we had, you know, thousands of acres and, and mile after mile to ourselves. It's really majestic.
0: Which, um, you, you, know, you probably saw some of the uh, grand five or top five or yeah, big five, that. sorry. <laughs> the grand five. The big five, oh, yeah.
1: yeah um, or are there were some of those you saw that just took your like breath the, away? De- De- Debbie, we were traveling and Debbie saw a leopard uh, hanging off the branch mm-hmm. just like that. Yeah. And then another time we were in a, we were in a dry riverbank, an arroyo. I mean, yeah, yeah and we were down low and the the guy who was driving the guide said uh quiet and we looked up and f- from where that windowsill is right there there were three little lion cubs mm. just looking down at us and talking to us mm. right and he said uh he just said stay where you are because he said mom's close by mm-hmm. but it's stuff like that that you would see all day long it's just incredible
0: mm. the elephants were majestic oh. to me like they're just kind of like Moving their nose a little bit, or their their forehead, really
1: pushing over trees effortlessly. In Zimbabwe, <laughs> we had a baby elephant that had been an orphan, and we played with him for hours. Oh, wow. He was run. He was like a dog. He would oh, roll over God. on us, and we were. It was you like playing like, with the, off. He was like playing with a dog. He was about this big.
0: <laughs> oh, cute! Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's anyway, a magical it's spot. Happened. Um, when I was going through this list of everything, I that said to myself, "This is." you know, fighter pilot, dog breeder, movie producer. It sounds to me that you believe strongly that you could do
1: anything. Of course you can. I, mean, I can't be a great artist. I can't be a great interior designer, but I can do a lot of other things. We all can. can't yeah. we? Of course we can. Yeah. Because we get regimented so quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. Coming out of college, you have to do this. You, know, you know, My father demanded that I be a, an attorney, a lawyer. I mean, I did oh. four years of, Four years of law school—what a of waste of time! Mm-hmm. Imagine being an attorney.
0: Not a nice day. Anyway, arguing all day, and not in a good way. Hmm? Just arguing all day. It's just uh... um, okay. So I've got—we've uh, got a few minutes left here. True. You're keen for a speed round. Yeah. This is I just you yeah, know, fire off questions. Go. and go. Go. Boom, boom. Uh, favorite luxury brand. We'll come I, back. I, I don't have one. Yeah. I really,
1: um, I honestly, don't, I'm I don't have one. Yeah. What about a
0: favorite commodity non-luxury brand? Favorite commodity non-luxury brand? Yeah, like something, I don't know. Uh, uh, in and out Burger. Yeah, okay. Uh, formal. Best or... burger in the country, yeah. commercially. Yeah. yeah. A formal or casual? What? Um, the way you like to dress or live uh, or entertain. Oh, and... casual. Definitely yeah. casual. Uh, best
1: city I in- hate shaving I can't it's, the one thing I, I'm waiting to retire the one thing I want to do is not Throw ever have a beard. not, ever, not even I just don't want to shave David Letterman exactly <laughs> what a waste of time <laughs>
0: yeah. let it be known that Alf does not like to waste time it's fact um, best city in Australia Perth uh, best place to travel within four hours from SF, car or plane
1: Uh, pro- for me, wine country. Mm-hmm. Still. Still wine country. You, still, you like Thin Lina? I just like wine country. I, mm-hmm. I go back. I live in Marin. Going back over the bridge, I know this sounds crazy, but it doesn't matter how how long I've lived here, I, I feel a sense of release when I cross that county line halfway across the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. And I start to feel... I'm up in Napa every week or in Sonoma, and I feel the same thing. The minute I get on 37 yeah. and I'm on 121, whatever it is, I start to, and I start to see the first of the vines. Yeah, just, I, beca- I become a better person. Yeah, just the, yeah. Whole, the whole mind yeah. is
0: less constricted. Yeah, That's the way I feel, too. Um, there's this place right north of Santa Rosa Airport on the 101 when the vines start, like, legitimately are everywhere. And I'm just like, God, That's another, it. another You've 30 arrived. minutes drive or 20 minutes drive. But I'm already there. You've arrived. Yeah. Um, let's see. Favorite uh, restaurant in San Francisco
1: or Bay Area? Uh, the, the best experience I have ever had yet to this day is still the French Laundry in Yonville. Cool. Bar none.
0: Um, f- uh, is there a favorite dish or meal specific? No. Mm-hmm. You're totally, you're totally agnostic. Um, what brand have you seen that flopped the hardest? Because you've been a marketing man for so many years.
1: I I'll tell you one that I'm watching very carefully right now is Tesla. Right? <laughs> Interesting, yeah. yeah. I, I am concerned about and it's not because, you know, Elon Musk the, is doing is doing yeah. is smoking a joint or something. That's yeah, irrelevant. Around. Something's not right with that brand. And and if that if, if that craters and it may well be that it's the financial pressures that bring the brand down, but whatever the cause and effect is if that brand deteriorates, it will be a, a great great waste. It'll be a, a a great loss. Not just a loss. It'll be a, it'll be a it'll just be a great waste to to to, to everything to to great design, to innovation, to, 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 innovation, to culture, to seeing the future, to protection, no. the, everything. And and it's also a beautiful damn car. It's, I mean, it's stunning, a gorgeous For car. Sure. And I, my fear is that somebody's going to run that sucker into the ground. I fear that too.
0: Um, I, I think that they've benefited from everybody wanting them to win. You've got people who just keep investing in them and, and it's not really, it's the
1: idea more than even the people. A lot of times it's the people that people invest or you would invest in. I was, we're doing an event in the VNS store on the 26th of this month and I walked in the other day and uh, I noticed for the first time everybody was young. And I said to the kid on the counter, I said, does there anybody work in this place? who's over 40 years of age. Mm-hmm. And he said, he laughed from it. and he said, I don't think so. So it's very, very interesting. There's no gray hair in that organization ah. at all. Now, there may be at headquarters, yeah. but when you walk into a Tesla dealership, there's no gray hair at all. I'm not too sure what that, what that tells us. Me neither, I, It's
0: not a sampling of...
1: The, the broader <laughs> issue I would have preferred you to have asked me is just the general decline in, in brand performance. I walked into an office depot one morning, last Saturday at at 9.30 and I had a simple question. And it was, I went to the print department and it was very obvious to me that I was being a nuisance Uh to that woman behind the computer because she was more concerned about what the hell was going on with the computer. Mm -hmm. So I got out, I walked out and I went up the road to Staples instead. Mm -hmm. And I spent my $200 at Staples. Mm -hmm. I see more and more of that happening. I, I was delivering. I was delivering magazines. I put on jeans, and I was delivering magazines and certificates for our leading 100 program coming out of the the event after the 16th of August. And I, I batch them up and I'll drop them off at a, you know at at the headquarters of the brokerage. I did something like five or six deliveries, and in half of those instances, when I walked in, the little old lady—normally an old lady behind the counter. Took me through the social x-ray business. Oh, look at him. What's he doing here? I'm sure he's gonna to try to sell something. What's he carrying in his arms? The treatment I received out of at least fifty percent of those brokerages was 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 was, was putrid. Mm. Now, in an environment where nobody dresses in briones, how is she not to know that I wasn't coming in? to do it to, I may want, want to buy a piece of real estate I may have just yeah. been walking by you know? mm-hmm. so it's that accumulation of of dereliction of duty I think that's applying to minds that's brands. interesting dereliction go, of duty so yeah. this morning I went to go to this restaurant called
0: As Quoted it's right near our new studio we're opening up on Sacramento uh-huh. which I'm sure we'll do things together hopefully Um <laughs> this are uh, on,
1: Cha- on Sacramento uh,
0: the address is 3525 what's that name what's the cross Laurel and Locust so okay. a block from Spruce right. Restaurant nice,
1: nice location
0: yeah so <clears throat> I'm getting a cup of coffee the guy in front of me um, is already standing there when I walk up and the the chap at the till is using his phone I'm like what is he doing it looks like he's like, kind of texting or something he's doing math Alf yeah he's for the change yeah. it took him two minutes yeah. and one of his co-workers was you know, kind of looking at all of us. The patron who got his change, it was like 75 cents-ish. Um, it wasn't that easy, I had some pennies in there. Took it and just chinged it, you know, yeah. clanged it around in the tip jar. I did the same, the same thing happened. Then I stood there for three minutes while two guys didn't pour my, uh, my just cup of coffee, my drip coffee, and I was finally like, dudes, you know, can I, can I one of you two, please pour me the coffee they did. Um, but what I thought is that because unemployment is so high, or the unemployment rate is so low, rather, they're really the last little people that are getting these jobs at, at low-level retail, if you want to call that, are what's left. Is
1: that, is that harsh? Is there any truth to that? There is truth to that, but, but I'm still so big believer that there was a cultural imperative in an organization and I think the, the bigger... I mean, I understand it, it's very hard to motivate an $11 an hour, you know, uh, front counter person. But but I think the majority of the problems come from a l- lack of cultural leadership inside the organization. Mm-hmm. It's the old Sicilian proverb that the fish decays or rots from the head down. Right. And I, and I think organizations that have that bad component... You, I can go on forever. United Airlines, a, a once great brand that is now a shadow of its former self, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, we're 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 we burdened in this marketplace with one supermarket chain, Safeway, mm-hmm. which is the worst. If, if you were to go see a top-end public sh- supermarket in the south, the difference is like it's like light years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I've never understood what it is about the Bay Area that we accept that sort of laissez-faire mañana I don't give a shit routine. I see it everywhere. I think I said this to you before. I'm, I'm very punctual. I'm always five minutes ahead, at least, of an appointment. Mm-hmm. That doesn't apply here in the window. You people show up, oh, you know, i got got uh, mm-hmm. 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Uh, that's the message to all the, the leaders of organizations, to
1: sharpen it up, man. I don't think they care, uh, they, they should. I don't think agree they with care. you. Tell me a story in Union Square that you admire. I don't go to Union Square. Well, go in go in one of these days that that's that's essentially an hourly worker on commission mm-hmm. and you walk into these stores and first of all they they again they social x-ray you mm-hmm. and then it goes it goes downhill from there anyway I didn't mean to, no, to no, this. No. well else?
0: tell me um then this will be this will this will be a, a great pod snack for for everybody um tell me what your favorite room that's so what I ask everybody favorite room in your house, and why?
1: Yeah, the, 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 we have a let me explain my house. We have a small house, 1380 square feet. It was built in 1904. Uh, it was a cottage mm, uh, no. attached to a, a big, bigger parcel of land um, in Sausalito, on the hill, mm-hmm. so so we're two level, um, and we have commanding views of the bay. So that that's the positive side. Um, the, the top floor is totally open. It's one big living, and this is before the days of open plans. Yeah. it's one big living room. Yeah, uh, with a that leads onto an external patio that's open most of the time, mm-hmm. and a very small kitchen that again has a commanding view of the bay. That would be my favorite room. Mm-hmm. Downstairs is to sleep and to bathe, to brush your teeth, and, and to and to work.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Um, well, well so like, why do you ask
1: the question? What, what's why the? Why do I like the yeah, question? Yeah, what? what why? Is, what's the
0: psychology behind that? Well, we're I try to wind in something that has to do with lifestyle and interior design and in homes. You know, people have a passion about um, these lifestyle um, topics. The wine. the the homes uh, what fabric or colors they might like and everybody has some
1: sort of opinion let me throw you some tangential stuff though on this point if that's who we're talking to I, I am absolutely flabbergasted by the lack of of good design in expensive new buildings I mean I walk through some of these high rise Soma buildings here and I mm. see the same vanilla mm-hmm. all over and I understand that the concept is for the buyer, try to keep it as plain as you can so that they can see themselves, I guess, in there. But I'm just surprised at, at, at the lack of... Des- it's very We're talking about the unit. Yeah, the, or, the or units, the and the building, the whole thing. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm surprised how rare it is for my heart to skip a beat <laughs> when I walk into... And I walk into a lot of expensive mansions on Park heights. Mm-hmm. The same thing. And I wonder why that is. And when I go to open houses, I see the same thing in open houses, admittedly unstaged open houses. But I, it's just, there it seems to be a lack of, of, of not good design, of, of design that makes the heart beat. Are you speaking to homogeny? I mean, is that what you're suggesting? Kind of I don't
0: suggesting?
1: know. Yeah, I don't know the... I was at the, the Filoli, when well, we were at Filoli Estate yesterday. Yeah. I sort of, I spent my time wandering through the building, just when nobody was around. That must, be, that must have been the way to live.
0: Right? It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, th- to me, I look at a renovation project when I walk in there, to be honest. The the, the furniture and. You know, oh, yeah, I just, it, I just can't it, handle I, it.
1: But uh, but but the bones of that place. Oh, gosh. The bones of that There's place. There's
0: nothing more fabulous you imagine than that? a giant home like uh, that. It must be something. Yeah. I admire that the family, I don't know when they turned it over, but I want to say in the 70s or something, they are like, you know, this is for everybody now. Did you that's see it? Cool. Uh, you got to go. Yeah, that's that cool. No,
1: but but uh, again, I, I'm surprised how often, even the decorator showcase I go to, Jeff, and I, and I go in with, with, with open heart and open mind, and I walk out thinking, ah. But did you go up to the master bedroom this
0: year? Yes, I did. <laughs> I saw And just tell me how many beats that heart
1: skipped. There were a couple of special rooms. That was, there actually was one of the rooms. There was another. The other. The other thing I liked about that building was the actual. The uh, maybe Melanie Coddington, who, whoever did. As you walked in up the staircase, there was something sort of interesting about this. I can't recall. Champagne room. It was. I, I don't know. It was. It, was, it was an interesting. It, it was sort of interesting.
0: We you know did the yeah I know the, the, I know uh, the fringe yeah. and everything. Yeah. It was exciting. Uh, but but was, every job there's always surprises. You dream it. I think our job as a designer is to dream it and see it fulfilled for the clients. You know, you, you created magic with a very, very difficult building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's that, that always a surprise, that was my point. And we thought that the fringe was going to be like mind-blowing, radical, crazy feeling. And? Soothing. All the, the simple color palette in the end, though layered, was, was quite, you know, hey, it wasn't Clean contemporary, but it was uh, It was also very, very easy on the eyes, with all that pattern still, because of the simple color palette. That I think. But hey, well, this is kind of uh, um, this is kind of us. We we uh, we've um, spent a good time together. Good. I want to know. Uh, let's see. I've asked you. You were going to loop back around if you want. Uh, there was. I said. I'll answer that. I said, asked a question. You said I'll answer it later. Um, I I think I said you interview people all the time about luxury,
1: but what is luxury to you and are you a luxurious person? Um, Luxury to me is exactly what I alluded to earlier. Luxury to me is is freedom Uh, freedom from everything. Freedom from things I don't want to confront freedom from the people I don't want to have to deal with Uh, freedom from obligation uh, freedom from financial pressure—that—that's—that um, to me is luxury. It's not tied to a price point. I drive a twelve-year-old Nissan Versa that has a, a net value of eight hundred dollars, which, by the way, is very fitting for the city of San Francisco right now, mm-hmm. where you know the car falls into craters you know, every block. Uh-huh. So I'm not driven by—I'm certainly not driven by clothing. I'm not driven by—I mean, I've got all this stuff, but I don't need to have the latest of that. Mm-hmm. Um, my 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 relationship to my wife of 38 years is the most important thing in my life. Then after that, it's the things that, that will hopefully give me some comforters in my in my remaining few years. Wow! Yeah, with your uh, amazing view and uh, commanding
0: view, I guess you'd say it's
1: not even that. It's it's just I, I would like. I mean, at my age, I, I mean, I can start to count the years off. I mean, if you use the actuarial tables, I know how much time there is left. So it'd be a shame to go in the box and, you know, and having done the same thing. Wow, for sure. <laughs> you know.
0: uh, Alf, you have a, you're have you such a wicked smart man, and it's I so know, fun to, to spend time older. with you and, and uh, learn a little bit more about maybe how your questions get formulated. Even by sitting here, I've watched you perform in a way that is investigative and clever and intellectual it's good to hear because the thrill
1: i the thrill i get out of it now jeff is 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 knowing how you operate at its worst it's i mean i've often said privately i watch the rich all the time and to me it, it literally is a field exercise in watching in watching the the um um the endangered species in the zoo it's watching the animals in the zoo and i don't mean that maliciously mm-hmm. but i find their behavior to be very to be fascinating and i want to know about people this, this you know what you do for a living is a, is an interest to me um th- there's a fascination to me in, in knowing what you guys do and how you how you think and what you just do i mean it's that's why i love real estate and interior design all the things you guys do around the house I think that's. I think that's a naturally fascinating. uh, I don't want to say business to be in. It's a naturally fascinating thing to do.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the hierarchy of needs, isn't it? It's it's the shelter, and it's it's for everybody. So I think that's why you know people are they go for for fun. No, it's more that it's it's an.
1: There's an emotional. There's an emotional. There's an emotional. Content in in those transactions. I mean, buying a home. I mean, brings out every emotional, you know, intangible factor that you can bring to bear, <laughs> right? And the human. And the same thing with design. Uh, that stuff just fascinates me. Yeah. Well, um, let's anyway. do it again another time. Done. Yeah. yeah.
0: me to go Thank on. you. Thank you.